If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Uh, right now, they'll want to talk about what's an ongoing debate uh, about dress codes in the workplace and whether some of these dress codes, and I think a lot of it's been focused on, on restaurants, uh, some bars as well, uh, on what is a, a sexist double standard. But it doesn't go beyond just restaurants and bars. Now, Canadian Press, with a story today, points out that servers clad in short skirts and stilettos could soon be a thing of the past as B.C. and Ontario take steps to ditch sexualized dress codes. But women in other industries can face unwritten expectations of lipstick and heels, say workplace equality experts. Julie Nugent is a vice president and center leader at the Catalyst Research Center for Corporate Practice, part of a multinational uh, nonprofit organization, says women can be judged more harshly due to these pervasive stereotypes. When you think about dress and physical appearance, women face higher standards in a lot of cases than men. So is this an issue that that a lot of workplaces have to deal with, and how should that be confronted? Well, joining us on the line is the aforementioned uh, Julie Nugent with Catalyst Research Center for Corporate Practice. Julie, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Rob. All right. Well, expand on this. We, you know, we hear a lot about these stories, as mentioned, what's happening with certain restaurants and how waitresses are expected to dress. But you say it goes well beyond restaurants. Yeah, it sure does. Um, we know from our research that gender stereotypes and specifically unconscious biases, they can create predicaments for women leaders. Women are often evaluated um, in a way that is different than their male colleagues. And this impacts their options and the way in which they need to, um, th- th- their interactions at work as well. well. But how does that manifest itself? Yeah, so there's a lot of different things that happen, but really there are a lot of sort of what we call double binds for women in the workplace. And I call it the Goldilocks syndrome. So women are perceived as either too soft or too tough, but never just right. This obviously can be said as well around dress. It can be said around a lot of different things. And it's a double bind that women face in the workplace. You know, they are judged in a lot of ways differently, and that can actually have negative effects on careers. But judged how? Sure. Well, women, I think, in a lot of cases, are there's a, a sort of an undue burden on them. We actually find in our research that women need to first demonstrate their abilities and they're judged specifically on that versus men who are often judged on potential. So if a man is seen to have potential to do something, he's often given an opportunity to do so. Whereas a woman must, in a lot of cases, prove themselves time and time again before getting those same opportunities. Well, okay, but, but then how, how, do we, how do we address that? Or how does it relate back to what's expected in terms of, of attire in the workplace? Mm-hmm. Well, I think attire, you know, it's, it's the same type of thing, right? So there's obviously these double binds and these uh, these um, undue implications on women and the way in which that they need to be perceived in the workplace. So they need to be wearing high heels, for example, and, you know, maybe short skirts in order to be effective. You know, obviously not. That's ridiculous. 
And I think in 2017, this is not the conversation we should be having. Right. Well, it's one thing if, if an employer is telling women to dress a certain way, that's a little more obvious. But, but you seem to be suggesting that it's, it's unstated, it's implied. Is well, I think case? in some cases, well, in some cases, it is certainly implied. And I think in some cases, just the standards of beauty and the standards in our just general society around what is in, expected from women in both corporate settings and beyond, I think that those are the pieces that are troubling and they're still pervasive in our society. Well, is part of it that. <laughs> When, for example, if, uh, if if a policy in a workplace is that everybody's going to dress in business attire, maybe that's uh, more simple and obvious for men. That's basically you're wearing a shirt and a tie or, or a suit, whereas maybe it's it's less obvious than for women what that's supposed to be. Is, is that part of the issue? Well, I do think, you know, women, obviously, there are lots of different options, and there's different approaches for them. And in a lot of cases, too, because there is this sort of constant talk around, and we see it in all sorts of different aspects of entertainment and everything as well, you know, who are you wearing, what are you wearing, etc., there's a lot more chatter, a lot more conversation around what women are wearing. And I think that in a lot of cases, it, it becomes sort of this white noise in the background, and it can impact women in ways that are, um, you know, in ways that are negative and detrimental. Okay, so taking a step back then, because uh, it sounds as though it, there are some jurisdictions here in Canada, either at the provincial level uh, or the Human Rights Commission, that uh, it's going to be prohibited to have these kinds of dress codes in the workplace, like with restaurants and bars, to force women to wear short skirts and high heels. That's going to be prohibited. But in terms of any kind of policy, what what more could we do here? Well, I do definitely think in 2017, it's the time, right, to make these changes because it's just, it's antiquated and we need to move beyond this. Um, You know, a lot of workplaces, we find that focusing on efforts to be more inclusive, to be a better inclusive workplace and, and focus on people's competence, their abilities, you know, those are the types of things that we need to be focusing on versus what they're wearing and, you know, what what size or what type heel that they have on. Right. Okay. But how do we know that that's not already happening? Well, and it could be happening, Rob. It certainly could be happening. But as a lot of these stories suggest and a lot of the the issue around this high heel debate is the fact that we're still having that debate, right? It's still something that continually comes up as an issue because it is something that people keep talking about. Well, that's true, right? I, I guess when it comes to, to workplaces where there's an explicit dress code, it's easier to, to single out. It's easier to identify and mm-hmm. say, okay, we, we've got an issue with what that uh, employer is doing. I, I think what, what you're talking about here seems a, a lot more nebulous, a lot harder to, to quantify and, and, and single out. Yeah, well, and it boils down really to the fact that gender stereotypes just sort of full scale exist in the workplace. These unconscious biases do exist. And in particular, women often are faced, you know, they face harsher penalties for these stereotypes. And I just think that the relation to dress and standards around women's appearance, you know, it is all related. It's all related to the fact that women do often face these harsher standards. And that's something that has been ongoing in our society. 
Okay, but does that suggest then that that are you suggesting that women who dress more provocatively are, are doing better? What what's the connection between attire and how how employees are viewed? Yeah, no, I'm not suggesting that. I think that a lot of times, as I was saying earlier, this this whole focus on what women are even wearing, it can be sort of this white noise in the background. And so if we're focusing on what women are wearing or if we're thinking so much about that and being so focused on it, it can take away from the great work that a woman might be doing in the workplace. You know, if we're, if we're focusing on the wrong things, we need to be focusing more on leadership. We need to be focusing more on abilities and the ways in which um, women are uniquely contributing to the workplace. Okay, well, then you're saying that we, we shouldn't be focusing on, on attire, but you're saying that there is an issue around attire. So I'm, I'm confused by that. Sure. So there is an issue, meaning that it does continue to keep being brought up. So I think in areas where this debate is ongoing, where there's any sort of question around dress code or, you know, companies or even industries that are saying that women do need to be wearing these types of things at work, that's those need to stop because in today's age, that's not what we should be focusing on. Okay. So was was this wrong-headed to approach this and, and have a conversation about attire? Should it, we, we not be talking about it? No, I do think we should be talking about it, Rob, because quite honestly, it lends a voice to the issue, which is much broader than just attire. It is about gender stereotypes, which are long entrenched in our society. So it's a much broader debate. I think that is going on. So it is important to give voice to it so we can hopefully make some changes for the future. Right. Well, I, I do think there's other issues. There was a story recently, I believe it was um, a casting agency, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where, where there was a you know male uh, employee and a female employee. And I'm not sure if one was the supervisor of the other or, or not, but they basically switched roles for a week. So they'd sign off on each other's mm-hmm. emails. So clients would think that they were getting an email from, from a man. Instead, they were getting an email from a woman and vice versa. And, and both were really shocked at, at how people responded to those emails, that the, 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 the female is treated a lot differently than, than the male, right? So those seem like, like issues then that maybe we should be focusing on. I'm not sure where attire fits into all of that. Yeah, well, I think that this is coming up because of the debate that's happening around attire, but the fact that it does allow for a broader conversation is really critical. You know, I'm not surprised at all that folks are treated differently, women and men, because, again, that's what we continually find in our research, that these stereotypes and biases, some of which are unconscious, you know, it's not always a conscious decision that people are making to be stereotypical, but these types of things are happening, they are pervasive, and they do impact all of us in the workplace. All right. Interesting uh, insight, Julie. Thanks for joining us here today. Appreciate this. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Julie Nugent uh, with Catalyst Research Center for Corporate Practice. Uh, Okay. So I think I get some of where she's coming from. Uh, I'm not sure, again, how it ties back to, to the issue around attire or whether we need to have some kind of regulation in place for what dress codes in the workplace might be. Anyway, 403-974-8255. Get your thoughts on that. All right, welcome back. 403-974-8255. This text here from Jason says, uh, all your rotation aside, I spoke to my wife about inequity in the workforce, and we came to the conclusion that applications, resumes should be submitted with a number, no name or anything that might identify gender, race, or anything. 
might mean no special interest, etc., but focus on job skills and qualifications, period, then there's absolutely no bias, right? And there shouldn't be any bias. And I guess if, if what the guest is saying is that we need to get past those, those biases, well, okay. But how it relates back to attire, I guess, that do we need to, to regulate attire, not regulate attire, talk about it, not talk about it? I got to admit, I was still a little bit confused. Uh, but no, what a woman's wearing shouldn't affect how she's judged or how her competence uh, is perceived, et cetera. So I get that. But where do you come down on that? 403-974-8255. We can talk a bit more about that issue because it does seem, I'm taking a step back in BC and Ontario, sounds like they're going to start to rein in some of these restaurants who do have those different dress, dress codes and do expect their hostesses and waitresses to dress provocatively and dress a very specific way. That kind of stuff is probably on the way out. But most other offices don't expect that. I don't think women are expected to dress provocatively in the workplace. And I, I don't know, I got the sense that maybe the, the guest was of, of two minds on that. Maybe I'm missing something. Anyway, let's go back to the phones here. This is uh, Barb. Barb, go ahead. Hi, how are you today, Rob? Real good, thanks. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I just spent 30-some years in the workplace, and I took a secretarial course, and I, my career moved from being a clerk to senior management. And um, part of the course that I took way back when was that you dressed appropriately. And, and um, I, I don't think it's any different for men or women. So I never really experienced any setbacks to my career because of how I dress. Now, I, I have to admit I did dress fairly conservatively, mm-hmm. but as a manager, you know, we often had conversations about how, how difficult it was sometimes to deal with dress code. And, and the worst offenders were the ladies themselves. And yep. so, you know, I, I, I kind of take issue with your guest saying that this is 2015 and we should be, you know, better at this. I, I don't know. We've been at this for 40-some years. Yes. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the comment that was always made was that if you look in the mirror in the morning and it doesn't seem right, should you be wearing it? And when I was in my 20s, I remember that um, I wore an outfit where there was a little bit of a, a V-neck. And, you know, the, the, the eyes went to the V instead of the face sort of thing. And, right. <laughs> you know, uh, so I learned very early in, in, in my career that, hey, you know, you can, you can dress with, um, you know, as women, we have the ability to be able to have our personality show through. Like guys, you, like you said, you put on a shirt and a tie and, and a slacks and, and a top coat, and that's your, that's your dress code. Mm-hmm. Women, it's a little bit more open. And sometimes we take it to the extreme, and then we get all upset because we're not being uh, seen for our value as far as our um, strength or knowledge for the for for our job rather than than something else but is it right well again because it seems to me if you have a workplace where the expectation is business attire mm-hmm. you're going to see most men pretty much dressed the same way shirts uh, shirt and tie etc but you're going to see a lot of variation in how the women are dressed right because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's it's a lot more vague in terms of how that concept applies to women it's a lot more vague but it is it's still professional, and, and, yeah. and that's what, as women, we need to think about that. Like, what I wear to go out after 5 o'clock is not what I wear between the hours of 8 and 5, you know? 
Right, yeah. And, and obviously, if you were expected to dress that way at the workplace, then we'd have a problem. Precisely. You know, yeah. like, it, it's Coco Chanel that said, you know, that, that during the, after 5 o'clock, you wear black, you know, because it was, it was I guess, yeah. it's a dress, you know, the little black dress and sort of that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's something to be said about that. And, and when you look at professional women... They are dressed professionally. They can be very sexily dressed. I mean, you can look sexy and still be professional. And so it's a win-win all the way around. So I, I don't know. I can't, you know, like I, I've said often, until the guys start wearing their, you know, um, shirts open to the navel, and, and gold chains, then maybe as women we mean, need to rethink how what we wear. Yeah, well said, Barb. Thanks for that. <laughs> Appreciate the phone call. All right. Yeah, that was good. I like that phone call. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.